Welcome to Easy One Day Podcast Coronavirus Logs. In this episode, Beyond Corona, I have with me Chidindu Madokoli, and we're going to talk about healthcare, sustainability, public health laboratories, and everything beyond coronavirus pandemic in Nigeria. Hello, Chidindu. Welcome to Easy One Day Podcast coronavirus logs. Hello, Ijoma. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast. Um, even though we're a very young podcast, um, for those of you who don't know, Chidindu Madokoli is the host of Vital Signs with Chidindu Madokoli podcast. She's a superb health communicator and she has she has a lot. Chidindu, um, congratulations. You know, I'm such a fan and I don't, I have to say that I, I wonder why I hadn't heard or come across your work before now, before this project started. But for those who don't know, like I was saying, Chidindu is a TEDx speaker. Her TEDx talk, you can find it online if you search for patient-centered storytelling at the future of healthcare. She's a consummate storyteller. She's a writer. She's a biomedical scientist. She's a Prevent Epidemics Niger Fellow. She's a 2019 Prevent Epidemics Niger Fellow. So Chidindu, can you um, tell us more about what you do and, you know, how you are preparing yourself and how your community is also preparing for this outbreak in Nigeria of the coronavirus pandemic. Oh, thank you very much, IJ. I am happy to be here. Um, I thank you for the opportunity to do what I like to do, which is to talk about healthcare. We're very, very, we're very, very happy to have you here. As much as I can about um, healthy living and patient-centered care and patient-provider interactions. Yeah. So um, I am first a medical laboratory scientist because that is what um, I have by virtue of um, degree. Mm-hmm. Graduate of the University of Nigeria and Soka. Go lioness. And, um, over, over time, I have this. Um, I developed this interest in 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 writing or communicating or telling stories. So I do, I, I used to do very random stories with, with great constructive arc or moral arc, sort of trying to tell mm-hmm. people, get people to take action, trying to inspire or to educate people. Yeah. And somehow along the line, I realized that my expertise as a healthcare provider sort of had a blend or had a meeting point with the thing that I love to do, which is to have conversations with people, to talk and to write. Yeah. And... Over time, I found that, you know, once you make up your mind to do a thing, life just opens up doors for you and there are opportunities all all over the place for you to express yourself. So I am a very, I'm I'm, I'm a very passionate health communicator. I I am a health 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 communicator enthusiast, if there's anything like that, but I'm just enthusiastic about breaking down complex medical narratives in such a way that the layman walking on the streets knows what next to do. Yeah. And with regards to virus, um, all we have to do, all I have been doing so far, is to take to my small space on on um, my, so, my, my my small social space, especially on my WhatsApp, 
and yeah. um, to talk about what people need to do, especially when it comes to countering fake news, trying to um, verify stories before sharing yeah. the crisis communication. Because at this point, we need to have to speak to the facts and not have people speculating. So I go about telling people that you don't have to lose faith in what the country is currently doing. Yes, we are on the track to get it right, but then we don't have to keep speculating because we have to um, trust a certain source, which is the NCDC and the Federal Ministry of Health at this point. And on a personal ground, I found myself in my local community here having to teach some group of people how to um, make or use um, alternatives for, for sanitizing their hands and their homes and all that because this is really a serious issue. Even if yeah. some of us, especially in southeastern Nigeria, are trying to live in denial. And just um, yesterday or two days ago, we had our first cases in southeastern Nigeria. So we will try to... Um, I will try to make more efforts. Of course, when I say we, it means not just me. I'm also working with other group of people. And that will not just um, be for the lay Nigerians. We're also targeting other people who are storytellers. Yeah. Who want to report the right things and um, counter fake news, especially around coronavirus. So basically, these are all that um, I have been doing or mm -hmm. I have been doing with the help of other people around communicating coronavirus. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you very much, Chidindu, for the work you're doing in your local community, the health education. Health education is so, so important. Health education yes. work in your local community um, around coronavirus. And what you said about people in the South is still being in denial. You know, for for many reasons, people feel people feel we as Nigerians generally have this sense of exceptionalism, like, oh, Nigerian no they carry last, oh, black man blood, you know, something bad is happening. It is not, yeah, it is not our disease. It is a Oibo people thing. We don't have flus. So thank you for doing the core work of health education. So um, to jump right into our topic of the day, beyond corona, um, can you give us a brief um, introduction on sustainability in healthcare. Okay, sustainability in healthcare, basically, or in simple terms to anyone who would listen, is just saying, what are we going to do to keep certain things running, to keep the healthcare system running? Mm -hmm. What we have to do that will not um, have to keep us on our toes when there is um, when there is a problem. And that is why part of my work as a Prevent Epidemics Niger Fellow, a 2019 Prevent Epidemics Niger Fellow, was and currently, because there are things you do, IJ, and you realize that it's not just about the projects coming and closing. It's about yeah. who you become after, which is almost like what we're talking about around sustainability. Because the thing is, as a country, we like to sort of wait until something happens and then we're on our toes. Mm. sustainability says we cannot always we cannot always choose to be on the defensive we have to make certain things right for instance that the there's there's a a joint sector evaluation of the health of the healthcare sector of the healthcare system in nigeria as well as other countries around the world as at last year nigeria's epidemic preparedness was rated as 39 percent and so 39. many things wrong. 39%, like that's like a red. It's like somebody's account being on a red. 
towards yeah. the end of the year, we, we, we sort of progressed to about 42. Okay. So that means we have the, the right people in place, but then we need to put some sort of support. But you know that epidemic preparedness and sustainability sort of go hand in hand. They do. I understand that coronavirus is a novel, novel virus. It's something mm -hmm. new to the world and all. But sustainability is saying, are we prepared for any kind of thing, no matter how we hit, but in such a way that it will not be as bad as it would have been if we just would have to just wait and then now suddenly get on our toes and start doing stuff. So sustainability is like saying, I am planning, I'm getting on the road. I am not hoping to have an accident, but then I will have to put on my seatbelt. Yeah. So that, that's that's what it is. So saying these things have to work in such a way that in, we're looking at the what happens in the long run. What happens? Yeah. No, we're thinking long term. We're planning long term. We don't want anything to take us unawares. Mm -hmm. The soldier does not go into battle without without all his um, equipment or tools for battle. Yeah. His, um, his ammunitions and all. So that's what sustainability is all about. And basically, it's also a function of cost effectiveness. You hmm. know? Because usually when these things, when we talk about these things, people say there's no money, there's no money. But people service their cars, not because they don't have other things to do with money, but they know that these things will work. They, they, they want it to, 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 to be stable for a very long time. So yeah. sustainability, yeah. we are saying, we don't want to spend much more money doing a fire brigade approach when we would have when we would have saved by properly planning for these kinds of events so beyond corona it could be any kinds of disease yeah so that's that for 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 what i think sustainability is in healthcare thank you very much so let's let's delve into healthcare um workers themselves how do you describe healthcare workers healthcare like workers the people who are in the system the fulcrum so, yeah, exactly. So they're the fulcrum of the system. Thank you very much. So tell us about healthcare workers with sustainability and with the current situation on ground. Okay, so um, what we have now is that there are a few testing centers and there are certain, um, the NCDC has provided certain hotlines around states yeah. for them to, to, to get across. So it's not like I feel I have symptoms and then I just go straight to NCDC, right? But the thing is, people, even in these other places, whether the NCDC or the many the, the certain centers that, are, that have been that have been put out, that pivot these systems are healthcare workers, and it means that some of them are going to work two four seven, work even beyond their call hours, and all of that. Now, even beyond Corona, because that's what we're talking about. On a very good day, outside of the coronavirus issues, when we have, let's say, Lassa, or maybe any other kinds of this, let's say, yellow fever and all, we also have healthcare, healthcare workers who, who are always on their tools. Mm -hmm. And then let's keep going down to say, oh, we don't even have any disease at all. I'm just imagining that. We still have healthcare workers who are always on their tools. Yeah. Now, when we want to talk about sustainability with regards to healthcare workers, we want to say, we want to ask questions like, are they receiving their pay as at when due? Very important. That, 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 that thing on Twitter that trended. 
and did. a certain state in southeastern Nigeria, I think in Abia State, just paid health workers, somebody's mother who is a medical doctor, just received her December 2018 salary. I did. I saw it. We are in 2020. This is December 2018 salary. So if we want to think about sustainability with regards to healthcare workers, one of the key questions we need to ask is, for people pivoting this system, are they being taken care of? Are they, are they giving what is due to them? Today, ARD is on strike. They say, well, a doctor is going on strike. Mm. They have a hazard allowance of 5,000 Naira. I don't know what 5,000 Naira will do when I have a needle prick. Mm. Maybe I'm working in an infectious disease laboratory and I have a needle prick. I'm working whatever in a public health setting where all sorts of people come and go. And you, and you know what? The, yeah, the 5,000 Naira is for doctors. Nurses is 2,000 Naira. Can yeah, I don't get that? you there. Because, you know, ideally, the system will not allow um, other people to earn more than the doctors earn as per hazard allowance. That's another mm. problem on its own. Mm. So, you will now come down to the 2,000 for nurses and for other people. And you want to even start asking, how long are we going to be doing this? Because mm. you want to raise your voice and other people are saying, ah, before it used to be 1,000, before it used to be, and you're like, okay, so how long are we going to carry this? So, when we are talking about sustainability, we also have to, it's just like saying um, the people who are for the, the core of a machine to work, you now just treat it anyhow. There will be wear and tear. There will be. There will be wear and tear. And before you know it, the system breaks down. That's why you go to certain certain um, facilities. There's a primary healthcare center somewhere in Nigeria. I won't even mention the name. Where the healthcare workers don't show up. Because if I realize that selling Agidi in the market will cover my hazard allowance, cover my uh, every other thing i wouldn't even be bothered about the work i would just show up when i probably feel so it's still that same i service i show up when i feel that supervisors are going to come to the primary health care center and then after that i go to where i finally end the money i have because... a friend i have a friend whose mother was in in a, in a car accident in 2000 and you know a couple of years ago and they were lucky enough lucky in air quotes to have had the accident very close to a primary health care center. Unfortunately, they got to the primary health care center and there was literally, it was empty. And the nurse on duty was like, oh, you're even lucky that this is the last bag of drip we have hmm. in Nigeria in, in the 21st century. So that was just an aside, but to paint a picture, my friend told me that her mom, you know, you know how the um, beds are in the hospitals, the spring beds. Her mom yeah. was basically lying on bare springs because what they put on there as a mattress was even worse than a mat. And this was a woman who was just involved in a, you know, motor vehicle accident. So our primary health care centers are, in, especially yeah, especially in rural areas, they're next to non-existence. So if if we if we if we turn or if we if we see healthcare workers as very important, it means that other things that enable the work the work um, environment or enable them to work in their environment will be provided. Yeah. So why will a healthcare worker be worried about about um, scarcity of work materials? You know, you have to start um. You have to start doing some sort of micromanagement 
when you know that you're dealing with human lives. Mm. So if we want to think about sustainability, we have to put the people who are piloting the system first. When are these when were these people last paid? Are they getting the, the, the proper packages that they need to get, not even to ask um, to sustain themselves, but also to even do the work? Yeah. So if 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 the government wants to prioritize sustainability in the healthcare system, there are lots of things that we could do. But I think that one of the very first things that should be gotten right are the people, the human resources who drive the system. Because there are people that will make things work. And if you're not making them work, or if you're not making things work for them, they won't put out... The other day, I was having a conversation with a stress manager who is a healthcare provider. And he said he realized that part of the reason why people come to say nurses are wicked in quotes, or healthcare providers are heartless and all that, it's just because these people undergo... A, a level of stress on top of the poor remuneration or even the inadequate amounts of money that they get or the lack of salaries and all. So with that kind of um, with that kind of stress, physical, financial, and otherwise, emotional, mental, defeat, a lot of things can happen. I can even make mistakes at work. Yeah. I can decide that that oh, I'm, it's not it's not my business. I mean, let me face the one that is facing me. And the coronavirus patients can just come in and sleep under my arms and go. Because right now we see that some of them are some of them might be positive and they are asymptomatic. They are not showing symptoms. Mm-hmm. So if we put things in place for the person who gives the care, then sustainability is just we just started rolling the wheels to move. Okay. So um talking about healthcare facilities and um government, the role of government, there's um there are currently four labs testing in um in nigeria one in abuja one in lagos in luth one in um Irua specialist hospital in edo state and then the last one the most recent one that was added is um the one in the university college hospital ibadan according to the updates from the ncdc another lab is going to be set up in abakeliki Airborne states from I think from next week. So um, I just want you to touch on public health laboratories. Being a, a medical laboratory scientist yourself, I just want you to touch on the role and why we need these these levels. You know, these high level laboratories in Nigeria, given the incidence of things like Lassa fever and now coronavirus. Okay. Um... There's this thing they say, uh, laboratory, medical laboratory scientists say about um, taking care of the patient even after they've left the, um, left the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's actually about seeing things that nobody else would see on a very good day. Because when you look at a person, you can see their signs and symptoms, and then you have to start doing things at other levels, whether the blood work, whether it's molecular stuff, and mm-hmm. all of that. And I recall that um, we didn't even used to have as much of these public health laboratories. But I think so far, so good. Um, they are doing a great job in putting up all these ones. Mm. Um, the, the, the one, the public health lab in, um, in Abakaliki, that's a fair opportunity Abakaliki. I was there last year. And it's actually, um, it's actually a viral hemorrhagic um, fever center where they test for other things, I think yellow fever, 
Lhasa and all. But one of the things I noticed is that they still have people coming in from other places. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is, for instance, the the, the, the lab in, in FETA, that's Abakli, the Federal Teaching Hospital of Abakli, would, would often get samples from Cross River. Sometimes they say they get samples from, you know, um, Portacourt, Aquaibon, and all that. And although these things um, some um, sort of have, they, they give them priority attention. So you, you suspect there's an infectious disease case, um, you quickly take sample and start sending to these labs. In fact, we have, we have something, some, some people come all the way from Plateau and they're wow. sending set, uh, laboratory, laboratory samples to either Abakliki or to Irua, you know, because I don't know why, because Plateau is closer to Abuja than it exactly. is. So the day I was told this thing, I, 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 started, I sort of started wondering. But it gives, um, it gives us opportunities to ask questions. Like, Very true. Can we at least have a core or two core laboratories in each geopolitical yeah. zones? Mm-hmm. It will make the work faster. We will um, reduce delays. Um, of course, these results come out early. But I'm just thinking of the, the amount of time it takes to get it delivered from one point to the other. And so the there, there's, there's this particular story that I covered in my Prevent Epidemics Niger project. The doctor was taking from then they didn't have the public health, um, they didn't have the um, Lassa Fever Laboratory or the Viral Hemorrhagic Fever um, Center, Isolation Center Laboratory in, in Abakaliki. So they took a sample to Irua and they just couldn't make out the results then. They had to take another sample to take to to take abroad. I think either Germany or Italy, I can't remember. Mm. And he was lucky. Because for some other people, they were not just as lucky as he was. By the time the, the results came out, I think one or two people had died because it was this guy still lives with the trauma of having suffered Lassa fever. You know what you are like. You are in the in the ward, and today they are wheeling out somebody to the mortuary, or, are, or the relatives have come to take them because these diseases have such high levels of pathogenicity, or the ability to you know to um to to, to cause diseases or to kill, yeah, something like or mortality. So you are just waiting for your lab results, and time is going and all. So I understand that things are not like before where everybody waits to send samples to Irua, things are getting better. We have four testing laboratories. But considering the size of Nigeria, we are said to be over 200 million people. Mm-hmm. And we are the giant of Africa. We giant can't just have, Africa. We can't just have four Indeed. laboratories. We are talking about sustainability. We cannot just have four laboratories. And it's not even just about the four laboratories. We need to make sure that even in our quest to expand, we have the right people in these laboratories. Like we have as much medical laboratory scientists who know what to do. We have as much public health physicians who know what to do in these places. Of course, I know that even the one that is, is going to be set up soon or the ones that will come up later will have that. There is also yeah. a need to, because what I'm saying this is, in, in terms of disease and disease reporting, I think the NCDC set up a very correct system that that works in such a way that people in certain local communities 
can make reports to the local government level, the local government to the state level, the state epidemiologist will now raise the matter to the NCDC. That's okay. like that's like a very beautiful channel of communication they have, especially when it comes to disease outbreak and all. But I think that for sustainability, there should be enough funding to say, I don't work in a, in any of the public health laboratories that have been set up. Oh, I probably yeah. work in a public healthcare center. I probably mm-hmm. work in a public healthcare center. But I am able to receive training on infection prevention and control for coronavirus, for Lassa fever, for yellow fever, for monkeypox, or whatever diseases that are common within Nigeria. Yes. In such a way that if I see somebody who presents to the facility in my local community or in a, in a primary center or in a tertiary center, I can say, Kai, this thing looks like the thing for which I have been trained for. Therefore, exactly. I will pick up my phone and call the, 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 the required authority who will push that up particular the, thing. Yeah, so up the chain of command. People, we need more people who are trained in infection and for us to say we need more people and for us to train them, there has to be funding for these things. So I recall that there was a time the, the, the bill for, I think the um, health security or so was passed at, at the house. The NCDC director was there with a few other people, the people on the committee of health and all. What I want to know is, or what I'm yet to know is the plans that, the plans that are so far being implemented or being funded to make sure these things happen. Because sustainability touches several aspects. It touches a lot of aspects. And we cannot rule out the importance of public health laboratories, the importance of funding them, the importance of, of having to expand them beyond, we don't just want five. Let us at least have eight. Okay. So we don't have to be on our toes when these things come. Yeah. And then train people at all levels. Very important. All, all people should, or everybody at all levels, or the most important people at all levels should receive this training and then step it down at their various at their various yes. centers yes. so that so, it's easy to identify. Okay, so speaking about training and funding and public health laboratories and the role of these our non-existent primary health care centers, you know, in infection and infection control and sustainability in healthcare. Can we just can you just highlight the trends that you've noticed in healthcare today, not just in Nigeria but around the world, but most especially in Nigeria, you know, like the workplace culture, the interaction between the medical doctor or the, the midwife in the primary in the maternity and then the medical laboratory scientist at the state hospital, you know, that harmony and even at, at a very um, microscopic level, um, I'm saying microscopic because you're a medical laboratory scientist, by the way, but you know, but at the at the at the office level, how how um he- how healthcare workers interact with each other for instance the relationships you notice between different fields medicine and nursing and medical laboratory science and maybe medical rehabilitation just you know talk a bit on that with regards okay. to sustainability you know and harmony within healthcare so i think that there is this thing that coronavirus is is currently doing to us you know, we say, and so for us to help um, stop the spread of the virus, we have to stop moving about. Yeah. 
And I realized that even though we are not moving about with our legs, we are moving with our hearts. People hmm. are responding, are responding immediately to certain things, and it is the same in the healthcare system. Awesome. On a tip, on a typical day or under normal circumstances, you find people dragging, they are dragging professional boundaries. You know, and I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing really bad about saying this is who I am, respect what I do, and all. But dragging professional boundaries to the point that the patient becomes the the suffer head. You know when they say when two elephants are fighting, is the grass exactly. Before now, it used to be, um, um, you know, that the doctor saying I am so so and so, I am the be all and the end all. The med lab scientist trying to drag him, um, his or her position like with the doctor. The physiotherapist is complaining that the consult was written without his consent. Mm-hmm. And now maybe the patient, um, is, the patient is probably suffering from something, a complication that should not have been if he was present. So I noticed that even all over social media, there are people who want to hold there are people who are rubbing heads together. Yeah. People who are, you find the conversation, people are contributing, irrespective, the guys. Of, irrespective of their areas of specialty. People yeah. are putting heads together. People are talking about COVID-19, are talking about, they are just, Everybody's lending the voice, saying, please do this, please stay at home. My survival is dependent on you and all of that and all of that. But specifically in healthcare, I see people who are rubbing minds together. Awesome. So we come to like I I I I am a um I am an admin on a Facebook group for healthcare providers. And recently we started talking about things that healthcare providers could do to keep themselves safe from contacting this disease and then taking it down to their homes and then there's all sorts of contributions irrespective of people who are of whatever field which even made me feel like it made my heart dance i was very happy because that was the essence for which that forum was set up in fact when i started that forum, people were like why don't you just have one separate for medical lab sciences i'm like they have other groups and i'm sure public health people have their own group Doctors have their own group. The reason I am interested in this is because I know that if we are not rubbing heads together, things will not work. And I see that's really happening now. People yeah. are contributing to. And Operation. for me as a person, yes, for me as a person who has worked in such an environment, certain things sort of look abstract. Especially things like saying, I'm the head of the team, therefore nobody can say anything. These things happen. I cannot deny that they don't happen. I haven't been in such environments where they happen. But I have been in environments where before a surgery is even done, you find them calling my 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 HOD, HOD of the laboratory. People are rubbing heads together. What can we do? Since since the blood levels of the electrolytes are high, these these are high, what are we doing from the laboratory end? What is the physiotherapist doing from his end? What are the so I have worked in a system where even cleaners, cleaners attend morbidity and mortality meetings. Yeah. The head of cleaners, because everybody is important in patient center care. So right now I see that thing, these things that you know, these um things that often cause um small, small issues. People are always dragging. Even there was a time on Facebook, some people were dragging other people, saying um, some people were trying to take up their space and all. 
Then another group was saying, uh uh-uh. So if we pay all these people um, this amount of money, how about we, who are also on our toes doing the work? So there's there are issues. I will not deny that there are not that there are not issues that need to be addressed. Right? There are issues that need to be addressed. But with regards to coronavirus, I am very sure and certain that there are more hearts that are moving towards finding a solution because right now it's joint effort, all hands yeah. on deck. Even the cooperation between our um, our governmental, uh, the different bodies, like Federal Ministry of Health working with NCDC yeah. to Private push the yeah to push the narrative forward. Non-profits, yes, nonprofits and also there's this sudden harmony in healthcare, and I just hope, I pray from the bottom of my heart that this is going to you last know, last for a very long. A very long time we're talking about sustainability in healthcare like harmony amongst healthcare workers having one mind knowing that the struggle is against bad healthcare systems not against one another okay um but i want to i want to ask about the national action plan for health security that the ncdc has up on their website give us a bit on what that national action plan is about like who can access it, you know. We want to know about the plans that our our leaders, our elected leaders and appointed leaders have in place for the for the security of Niger the health of Nigerians, you know, beyond corona. Okay. So the National Action Plan for Health Security is is, is some sort of a strategy document mm. that is um, created was created by a group of not just the NCDC, they had other imputes from the Federal Ministry of Health okay. and then other other important bodies. It's just like um, for for a document that is also um, pushing for joint sector collaboration. So there are a lot of people who, um, a lot of ministries that came together. Um, but then I think it was spearheaded by the NCDC and the Federal Ministry of Health. So okay. they looked at it and they said, We've had a series of diseases in this country. We've had cholera, we've had Lassa fever, monkeypox, cerebral spinal meningitis, yellow fever. And these diseases, we cannot deny that they don't affect us. Because it makes, see how we're running around looking for money and they're donating things for coronavirus to Nigeria, right? See how businesses are closing. People at home thinking of how they will get their next salaries. This is exactly what people had in mind when they sat down to, to, to make this national action plan for health security, to make this to create a strategy. They said every disease has an implication, most especially economic implications. Yes. Our monies will, will will disappear and we don't have to wait for them to come because ideally it takes 72 hours for any disease to hit any border. So come into Nigeria, just 72. You can already see that most of the reports we have about coronavirus are basically about um, are basically from people who traveled by air. Yes. And then meeting with other people. Yesterday I saw a picture of a, of the airport in Abuja. There was nobody. That's a place I go to on a normal day, and I'm asking people to please. When when are you going? When is your flight so that I can sit? Mm. Like you'll be looking for where to sit. That place was totally empty. When my friend sent me that picture or put up that picture on the social space, I was like, what? Very unbelievable. So you can imagine the number of businesses that this will affect, 
how much money we are going to spend, the economic loss, and this is for a disease that is novel. Like we never expected it. It's just something that just came to us, like a newly married couple trying to figure out themselves. And this yeah. thing just happened. They've never lived together before. So that is what it's like for this. But then the National Action Plan for Health Security says there are certain things that we have figured out that we can do to make a, a nation disease free. Well, mm. even if it's not 100% disease free, because 100% is like another level. Yeah. We can at least achieve some sort of health security that will make us not to be on the defensive side all the time. So building up our immunity. Exactly. This is this is more like if you're actually interested in the in the sustainability. This is a document. The, the beautiful thing is that the document is free online, free on the NCDC website. It's a five-year plan telling us what to do, what we should do between 2018 and 2022. So there's still time. And then there are so many things that the document highlights. It talks about um, um, food safety. Because right now, even we know um, from from um, certain stories that we've heard about people um, eating out and contracting certain diseases. Of course, the history of typhoid fever is, 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 is linked to food safety. Yes. A certain woman, her name is Typhoid Mary. She yeah. was a, a waiter or something in a restaurant. She was a chef. Asked the chef, she was asymptomatic, and you know she was just having contact with a lot of people. Yeah. So I like certain things on food safety. <clears throat> Excuse me. I like stuff on um, biosecurity, bioterrorism, biosafety, on immunization. So it talks about antimicrobial resistance because that's another aspect. People just um, abuse drugs do all sorts of things before you know it we have to start seeking for another generation of of antibiotics to yeah. cure certain things because what we currently have <laughs> the microbes are saying okay we are used to this one bring another one those sort of things mm-hmm. so resistance like antimicrobial resistance yeah so we have um, other things around immunization emergency response operations how it should work on its peak out day on a very good day Every every state should have a public health um, emergency operation center. Every state also talks about workforce development, more like how what should be the chain of order for for health security, especially with regards to the healthcare space and then other people that we should work with. It talks about linking public health um, and security authorities. So, like I was saying, um, I think it was last year. We had them. Um, we went to a certain border, the Cameroonian border, the one with Ecomi Cross River State, and we saw people just passing freely. You know how you just just it's open true. that water just rushing. Yes, it's true there was across. no point. <laughs> there was no. There were, the port health people were there actually, but you could see that there was no collaboration with the security officials because if there was, you will wait, my dear, so that we can check your temperature as you are passing. Because that's, that's the issue we're going to have with this coronavirus thing. People are coming in by air, we're checking in them. Now that pe- countries have locked their borders, is it not possible for somebody to fly to maybe a certain country, you know, and probably cross by foot or something like that? These are things that are just in my head. And then I you mean, cross that I'm, way. Yeah, I'm thinking on, about our, our porous borders and how... Yes, even borders and, and all. 
I'm thinking about porous borders and how in, in even in recent times, um, it, the, this, these porous borders led us to being banned. Immigration from Nigeria was banned from the United States because of porous borders. So it affects us beyond healthcare, you know. Can you imagine? So people were just walking in freely, um, just passing. Those that were in cars would just do a handshake. Of course, you know what handshake means. Mm-hmm. And then they go like that. So nobody doing all the health checks and um, those things. So the National Action Plan for Health Security highlights these things, highlights even to risk communication, yeah. to the uh, point of entry like we've talked about, to so certain things like even um, radiation emergencies. Because there are certain diseases now that are linked to um, issues around biosafety, biosecurity, and, and chemical chemicals and, and radiological materials. So yeah. it's that detail to the point that some of the things that you will even suspect that are the core of health security are all highlighted there. And they are broken down in such a way that even a local government um, official can pick it up and say, okay, this is good. Let's link with the state and see what we can do about it. So is that, okay. is that well okay. broken down? Okay, so now that you've mentioned our elected officials, the people who we look up to, or the people who we, and excuse me, those who we have entrusted our, our lives in many ways, you know, into their hands. So what would you say if, for instance, by by chance, a local gov- a councillor or a governor or, you know, any leader, any elected leader is listening to this podcast, what advice would you give them, you know, with, with regards to health strategy going forward? Okay, regards to health, uh, health strategies and security, mm-hmm. I will start by saying with the typical Nigerian voice, dear Niger politician, mm-hmm. you don't want your rice and your rapper. That's your rapper. We don't want it. Because we'll wear it and it will tear. The rice will finish. We want sustainable structures because we're talking about sustainability and we're looking at life beyond coronavirus. Yes. We're looking at life beyond any kinds of disease. So this is this is something that you probably want to consider. Go to your local government, pick up a project, a primary health care center, refurbish it, put things there. You can even go as far as maybe when the when the reconstruction or the the um the remake is over. You can put out your name there, refurbished by Honorable, right Honorable, XYZ, ABC, as what, 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 what. These are projects that are sustainable. As long as you supervise it and make sure that there are, the things that are supposed to be there are there. Up to standards. Yes, to the, to the last. Because there's a very interesting thing that was trending on Twitter lately. So we find that coronavirus is now moving up down hmm. starting with some of our leaders and i'm really very sorry because it's a critical time and also a critical time for leaders to reflect on sustainability healthcare systems and sustainability in healthcare systems yes so people are saying stuff like if a certain person is sick they should take him to his uh, problem, the primary health care center in his village let them take hmm. care of him there then they even went ahead to make cartoons, cartoon characters like 
where they were taking a certain politician to the village uh, hospital that he said he built and he said no he can't stay there mm. so like they are like okay but this is your constituency project now why can you not stay there didn't you didn't you didn't they give you money to do it so this is the time we start talking about doing the actual work and not just coming all over the air talking that you are doing something that you're not doing yeah so pick up a project what's the worst that can happen or what's the best that can happen i mean the best that can happen is there are people who will be interested because politicians always have supporters mm-hmm. you can come together with a few people whether you are private people from your village or people that you know that are individuals who can support tell them you're raising funds you're raising a certain um, million dollar millionaire fund to revamp the primary health care center in your village and see the, the funds coming and make sure that the things you put there so if even if you're putting hand washing points make sure the hand washing points are up to standard yes even um, if you're putting um water water supply because mm-hmm. healthcare and water and sanitation they are all some of these diseases that affect people are diseases of health inequity exactly fever is a disease of the poor people most yes. of those who suffer yes. are people who have um, live pla- in places where rats come and have access to their food. Yes. Maybe a gari seller ra- uh, drives the gari on the ground. Rats have access. They carry it to the market. They probably sell to the rich man who buys in bulk. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But most of these diseases are diseases of health inequity. Yes. So, yes. as a politician or an aspiring politician, you want to do something meaningful. People will eat rice. They might not remember anymore. But you see that hospital. A woman whose child is dying can get there and the child can get better. And they will always have that in mind. They will always have that in mind. So um, in terms of beyond Corona, I can say that um, Nigeria is on the right track. We have the National Action Plan. We have, I must say, our our NCDC director or, or the leader of our NCDC. Doing a good job. He good is. Job. He is mm-hmm. God sent. So much. At yes. a time like this. Exactly. I wonder I wonder the shape of things. I wonder how we would have managed if we did not have such such a leader at the at the position and even the Federal Ministry of Health as well. You know, and then just because this because this podcast is in honor of all the healthcare workers in Nigeria that are doing the thankless job, the invincible job of keeping us alive day to day i just want to say thank you again to each and every one of you for the jobs that you do and we're very committed here at easy one day podcast coronavirus logs to tell your stories in a human manner that everybody can relate to yeah thank you so much chidindu for this very spirited passionate episode beyond corona i cannot imagine any other person you know that would have done justice to this episode i have learned so much by just listening to you and i want to say thank you once again you know for following your passion in the beginning you said you you found the middle point between where your interests met things that you were you know that that came sort of natural to you and then you kept going for it and you found that voice you held on to it and you ran with it and because of that today we're having this conversation and I'm very sure that this conversation, this podcast is going to go very far. It's going to reach the places where it is supposed to reach. And, 
you know, I, I want to thank you because I see you as an inspiration to me and to I'm sure many other people in healthcare who who believe that things should not have to go on the way they ha- they have always gone on in Nigeria. You know, who wants a change and we can actually follow in your your footsteps, you know, to to be that change that we need. So thank you very much, Shidindu, for being so a patriotic much. Nigerian. Thank you, Ashid. Thank you. It's an opportunity to just talk and to say things that I know that other people should know. Thank you yeah. so much. I- All right. So we've come to the end of this episode, and I hope you learned something by spending this hour with us. So goodbye, Chilindu. We hope to see you next time to come yeah, give us thanks. some more talks. Yeah, yeah. everyone there loves you. Love you too. I love you too. Bye.